Okay, so a few weeks back, the team and I were hard at work doing what we do best, churning out new episodes of this show, when suddenly the coronavirus took hold in the U.S. And we thought, this will have an impact on a lot of things, but it's not something we'll need to talk about on this show. Well, apparently, that wasn't very well thought out, because in this episode of The Pitch, the virus, otherwise known as COVID-19, plays a role. But that's not till later in this episode. Here's the thing, though. I did an interview with one of our investors, Jillian Manis, and she explained how big of an impact this is already having on early-stage startups. And she outlined exactly what founders should be doing right now and what startups can expect in the next year or so. The team and I really enjoyed that interview, but we couldn't fit very much of it into this week's pitch. So we turned it into its very own special episode. To hear it, become a Pitch Plus subscriber. You can sign up for entirely ad-free listening and get bonus episodes like the one we dropped today, titled Jillian Manis on the Coronavirus and Startups. All right, back to today's episode. The pitch for Who's Your Landlord is coming up in just a moment. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. There's this classic startup strategy, get a boatload of users and then figure out who's gonna pay you to hawk their stuff to your users. This strategy worked out pretty well for Facebook and Google. Well, today's founder is well on his way to getting his very own boatload of users. He's building a review site, kind of like Yelp or TripAdvisor, except it's a place where people can rate their landlords. But if so many companies have been so successful selling out their users, the investors are wondering, why is this founder leaving money on the table? This is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Let's meet the investors. I'm Phil Nadell. Phil's companies have sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages Forefront Venture Partners, one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. I'm Michael Hyatt. Michael built and sold two software companies for over $500 million. And now he invests for himself. I'm Sarah Downey. Sarah's a partner at Accomplice, where they've invested $600 million in over 200 startups so far. One example, a company called DraftKings. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $20 million in over 100 startups to date. I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is an angel investor and partner at Structure Capital, where they've invested $98 million in high-profile startups like Uber. All right, here we go. Hey, awesome I'm pleasure. Sarah. Nice to meet you. Nice How to are meet you? you? Hi, Ofo. Phil, nice to, nice to finally meet you. you. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing, Ofo? Ofo? Awesome. My name is Ofo Izugu, and I'm CEO and co-founder of Who's Your Landlord? A few years ago, I was a senior at Temple University and served as a vice president of the student body. It was in that position that I saw a lot of complaints from students, with the main one being namely housing. So students were annoyed that they had signed a lease, and on the other side of the lease, 
If they were a female tenant, they were being harassed by their male landlords. There was infestation issues. There were septic tanks backing up and basements flooding. Electrical fires that would happen over your break. And you'd come back to seeing that house. Welcome to Philly, baby. Right, welcome to Philly. (laughs) (laughs) And so the key for us was there had to be some way you could review your landlord before ever signing a lease so you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, That began the nugget of an idea what would become Who's Your Landlord. If you're a renter using our platform, you can go on it and post reviews, see reviews on Who's Your Landlord. We we have reviews in seven key categories for landlords, property managers, and developers, ranging from responsiveness to conditional property and safety. If you've ever had a crappy landlord, it should come as no surprise that it was pretty easy for Ofo to get people over to his new website to review their property managers. But what Ofo realized was that there wasn't all that much money in renters leaving and reading reviews. The people with the deep pockets are the landlords. So he started to build something for them. On the other side of our platform, we created a dashboard for landlords, property managers, and developers to also seek value as well in our platform. And the key thing for them is they want to understand what people are saying about them across the industry. By aggregating reviews from all over the web, Ovo thinks that he can save the landlords a bunch of time. They can respond to those reviews that come in on Who's Your Landlord, Google, Yelp, or wherever. Plain and simple, he's selling subscription software for landlords to engage with their tenants. In investor terms, they call it SaaS. In the last four years, we've grown tremendously. At this point, we now have reviews in over 275 U.S. cities. We have over 15,000 reviews between New York, Philly, and D.C. alone. We've been named one of five apps to use when looking for housing in New York City by the New York Post. And we've been called the MVP of landlord review sites, according to apartmenttherapy.com. And we're we're raising currently a million. With that, Mm -hmm. I'll take questions. What's the valuation of this room? A six million cap. So you go to a, a landlord to pitch this, right? Mm-hmm. And you're saying, okay, this is going to enable you to be more responsive to problems or concerns that are being raised by potential renters, right? Is that the pitch? So you're you're more aware as to yeah what what's being said about your building online? How do you can how you can address it? What we've seen oftentimes too is a landlord will be based in Florida, for example, and have a management company in New York City, and really not be keen as to what's going on within their building. So when when they are are then made privy to that information, whether good or bad, they then also know how to best operate in terms of using that company going forward or not. And then how are you acquiring the landlords? That's been all through warm introductions. So right now in our pipeline for 2020, we have about 350,000 units. The way we've gotten to that that number is by getting personal introductions to the CEOs, the CMOs of these bigger development companies. How are you getting those? Yeah, uh, because a lot of our men, so three of our, our investors are CEOs of commercial real estate and residential real estate companies. And we've now partnered with some of the biggest clients in the real estate space, namely Burkadio, which is a Warren Buffett company, a Berkshire Hat the way and like a financial group partnership. Ofo's doing some serious name dropping here, but for good reason. The name Burkadia is going to be important as this pitch goes on. They're a real estate behemoth. They do a lot of different things, but most importantly, they lend money to people who want to buy rental properties. So Burkadia knows a lot of landlords. But before we get ahead of ourselves, how do you make money? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So with a subscription SaaS software, we charge a dollar per unit per month for real estate developers, landlords, and property managers to use our software. We're in version two of our beta. We're now in a paid pilot mode. Um, that's why we partnered with Bercadia because they're actually rolling out our software to several of their clients. 
Okay, so I guess sell us on why this is going to be a big cash flowing business. Like where's the where's the meat? Where's the money here? Certainly. So we charge a dollar per unit per month for real estate developers, landlords, and property managers to use our software. Uh-huh. Currently in the US is just under 50 million residential units out there. But that's a small market. 50 million a month in an, in a total market, but I don't know, whatever, 600 million a year. But it, it's it's too small to matter. So but it's, it's not in the sense that, first of all, our, the, the money will go up. So we're not just going to be charging $1 forever in perpetuity. This is just what we're charging right now. But is right that now. where the money is? Something hits me with that's not where the money is. What's your current recurring re- monthly recurring revenue? Yeah, right now, we're right around $1,000 in terms of our software itself. Um, so that we're... $1,000 MRR? Yes, from okay. the software. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you have content income... As well, or sponsorship income? Correct. And we've generated about 200000 in in the content income in the last two years. When Ofo says 200 k in content incoming, he means 200 k in revenue from sponsored content. These could be moving companies, cable companies, or anyone in the renter's ecosystem who may want to advertise. So you, you referred to your business as a SaaS business, but so you're, you're not, not a SaaS really. business. You're, you're in the sponsorship business. You, you've, you're generating $1,000 a month in recurring revenue from the SaaS business, but you've generated $200,000 in two years well, we, from yeah. sponsorships. You, to me, you're, in the, you're selling sponsorships. That's your business. So. Well, no, we just, well, so the thing is, so. the software, we just started the software, right? So uh, we partnered with Berkadia three months ago, and the reason being was we were finishing out the software to roll out top of 2020 to many clients, their client pipeline as well as our own. So talk to me, you know, normally I shy away from saying this, but I see the value of your company being a, a data aggregation play of, of tremendous amounts of information about people renting. And when you get enough of them, it becomes statistically significant for that data to be meaningful to a lot of places. Like you could literally sell this stuff to hedge funds and sure. stuff like that. Yeah, Red, uh, CEO of Redbird Development, Jeff Buell. So he was telling me, he was like, wait, you found out who's your landlord? I was like, yeah. He was like, your site helped me make $42 million in the last two years. Oh, b- I said, how oh, is God. that possible? He goes, there was a distressed property um, in Binghamton, New York. It wasn't performing well. Um, he's like, my company acquired it, um, rebranded, renamed, and over two years performed very well, got really good reviews on our platform, and saw the value increase to f- by $42 million. But don't you time. find that yeah, terrible? Because, I mean, you, how much did you make off of that $42 million? Well, that's before we even had the software built out for him. But I mean, the point is, is that why are you doing what you're doing? Why this $1? Why wouldn't your platform be is getting as many buildings on as possible, as many people on as possible, making money off the data, but also like, uh, are you interested in coming to this building? And that lead goes to the landlord. You get paid for that lead. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole bunch of non-friction ways to build this thing because your value is strictly how many buildings, how many people, Mm -hmm. but you, you're putting out this friction, give it away away and then start layering on all these other services. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, I don't think we're not doing that. I think it's a matter of timing, right? We built out the the community, built out the data on our end first Uh and and, and just, and and learn a lot about the industry and also made a name for ourselves. Yeah, they have to prove out. Exactly. And then the, the second part of that is now bringing on these buildings and these But wouldn't it be easier to bring on the buildings if you were doing it for free? I, I think so. I don't. But I, the reason why I push back on that a little bit is because when you charge them something for it, they take it more seriously and they, they give us feedback. They get, you know, what I mean, they're using the software. They're looking for ways of improving it. So that's, it's more of a, a of we're thinking of the psychology behind it more than just giving away something for free. Um, that's that's how we're thinking about it. Ofo is desperately trying to defend his $1 price tag. But Michael and Phil see it very differently. They want it to be free, so Ofo can get even more landlords on the platform and then take all that data and sell that to the big players. 
When we come back, Ofo will have to convince a divided panel of investors that his plan is better than theirs. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. The investors just started to dig into the who's your landlord business model. Ofo explained his strategy to get a bunch of landlords paying a dollar a month. Now, Sarah's like, what about all those bad landlords that don't really care what their renters have to say? What do you do about, like, I mean, you're going after the good guys here, right? But what are the slum landlords that the ones who, like, you really need as a, as a tenant, you really need good reviews and good information about? Like, how does yeah, that work? Yeah, so that's very important that you, you ask that because we've seen all kinds of horror stories, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, one of the funny things that happened this summer was the head of branding at Twitter, Meg Dudley, reached out to us. I thought we finally earned our blue check, like we were making it. And then she was <laughs> like, actually, I live in Brooklyn and me and my husband are going through a horrible situation with our landlord and property management company and I need assistance, right? And in, in situations like that, what we usually do is we'll connect them with our legal partners. Here in New York, we work with BFK Legal Group, um, as well as there's some myriad of like Met Council. Do you Council get paid for that? With those kind of partnerships. Yeah. Um, if it was to, I think, manifest into them working with them in some capacity. But why? Why? Uh, if you just send somebody to potential client, they should pay you for that lead. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's like, yeah, I, I guess I'm a little frustrated because I like what you're doing, but it's like there's all these places for you to make money that you're not. It's almost like you're doing this as a almost volunteerism. And it's like, I, I that's great, but I don't want to do that. I want to make a lot of money. So... How do I make a lot of money out of this? Have you really thought this through? Absolutely. You know, I, from from that from that point of view, I think one of the things that we we knew we had to do focusing on in terms of growth was focusing on the data and the community building first, mm-hmm. um, and go for next year. So roll out an app, uh, app that both uh, you know the residents as well as the landlords and property managers can use. Time. But and tell me more. It's more than an app. Tell me about data scientists. Tell me about mm-hmm. prediction machines. Tell me about building something. Yeah. What what the, what's the thing? The, the What's thing, the end game here? Yeah, yeah. The, the end game, I mean, so our partnership with Bercadia is huge because organizations like them, we're meeting with Fannie Mae soon too, kind of very similarly. Those kind of companies, they see a lot of value in what we're doing and could potentially exit to them. Okay. Can you expand a bit more, if possible, on your um, partnership with Bercadia? What exactly? Absolutely. Okay. So we meet with Bercadia every week. Um, the focus of our of our partnership with them is simply to build out our software and technological stack. So they're going so to help you. They're, they're helping, helping us you. do that now hmm. versus us making it as a team and then just rolling it out and hoping it sticks. I actually like that a lot. I often think that if you can have one sort of halo anchor mm-hmm. partner right, to help you build the product yeah, that that we look for in most of our companies. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Ofo's plan. Get in deep with this industry kingmaker. If he solves their problems, suddenly he's got a lot of landlords using his software. And while Jillian is intrigued by that path forward, Charles is more interested in another path, advertising to renters. 
you look at Yelp. What is Yelp? Sure. Yelp. You can pay to advertise if you're a restaurant or a business right. to boost your listing, but the product is effectively free to both sides to generate the most activity. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking like, wow, well, if you have, if I'm a renter and I'm looking at three different buildings and I come to who's your landlord and you help me decide to go to building A instead of building sure. B, there is a precedent in that industry mm-hmm. for paying for mm-hmm. lead gen. Absolutely. And it seems to me that a dollar per building it's is friction. too little to be worth your trouble. Yeah. And of all the per ways- unit. You, per unit, sorry, per, per unit. Yeah. And so I just keep coming back to the point that Michael has, which there's so much money. You're, you're creating so much value for the landlords. Right. I kind of would be happier if there were a model where you're like, hey, it's $5 a unit, $1,000 building minimum. Mm-hmm. And this thing's amazing, or it's free, but like yeah. you got to get on our lead gen platform, sure. and you know we you can advertise your new property that you just yeah. built that doesn't have any because you want to get scale and to right. get scale, right. well, and that, which, which welcome means everyone on. you know mm-hmm. both right. sides if both sides are free, you'll get to scale more quickly, and that'll enable you to generate the leads and to generate more sponsorship mm-hmm. revenue and those kinds of things. Right. But you need and scale. I want you to become I a trip advisor. Absolutely, you know of apartment rentals. In the early days, they had to get this mass community. And yeah. now they're in the business mm-hmm. of helping you actually book the hotel. In the beginning, they weren't, right? Mm-hmm. right? They started mm-hmm. somewhere, just reviews, right? That's yeah. all TripAdvisor was. And it got enormous. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> those companies. You know, but eventually yeah. what I think in your, your site becomes is a place to book or actually at least saying, I want to live there. And it goes right to the building manager. You're talking out of two sides right now, right? Because one part is bring them on for free. And then one part is charge them a lot of money. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you create a community for free, it's not because whenever something's free, you are the product. In other words, there are so many people, for instance, a lawyer may pay $50 or $100 a lead you pass over. That's a big, chunky revenue. All these partners and services you have around these pass-through, or maybe Verizon would pay for it, a bank would pay you for it, uh, a title insurance will pay you for it, whatever it is, um, is those partnerships are big, chunky revenue. If you had that ecosystem, you could prove that working. Mm-hmm. You have a very valuable business. Exactly, exactly. Look, but I, sometimes I, you know. that middle point right. is the worst point. One dollar, maybe, I mean, one dollar seems ridiculous. It's just not right. Yeah. You either right. do mm-hmm. free or you do something considerable. Sure. I think but, we're all but, saying the same thing. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, yeah. we're saying yeah, we're absolutely. All right. Right. Well, so one of the key things where Katie said to us when we, when we agreed in the partnership and started meeting was there was two key value as they saw for them, right? We've been building a strong community of renters with our own data. And another thing is that now their clients can see how they rank amongst other buildings and living communities in their region. Right. So for them, it was very important we keep both sides of the business. I don't think you guys are inaccurate in saying one could be its own thing and the other could be its own yeah. thing. But I think the way we have real power in the real estate industry and become that big player talking about is by keeping both. If every tenant is on it, they'll pay attention. And right. I keep coming back to something that I guess it's a core belief for me, which is there's a very strong relationship between the product you build and your business model. Mm-hmm. And if you want to charge, if your business model is you want this, to, for me, this is why this is so important, this whole sure, conversation. Sure. If you really want to build a SaaS business and you really want to extract money from landlords, that is a totally reasonable way to go. Mm-hmm. You are going to end up building many more features that increase the value of the product to the landlord sure. so you can take out more money. If instead you say, hey, we're going to be a marketplace, you're going to pick up the phone and go call Borough and you're going to call moving companies. You're going to say, who are all of the Community ancillary right. providers around a move? And then you need scale. Right. And you need scale. Scale. Right. scale. And we're going to build relationships. And we're going to build product features right. that enhance 
viral distribution that bring more traffic to the site and those are two really different businesses and it's not Mm -hmm. for me to say which one you -hmm. should build and so uh, i'm i'm gonna pass because i think my instincts are on building a business that sounds like it's different than what your instincts are going to lead you to do Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean that i'm right and you're wrong it's just hard for me to work with entrepreneurs when i feel like we're not totally aligned Mm -hmm. and I have to say, I think you have so many insights about what works for both sides right, of this right. marketplace that no one else has. I think you're not getting properly compensated for what you've That's heard. what I'm trying yeah. to say. And I think you are sitting on a gold mine of yes. information about what works. And to me, it would be a tragedy for you to not extract an appropriate amount of value for what you've created. Charles just said the words gold and mine, but then he passed. Huh. Let's see if any of the other investors are willing to roll up their sleeves and start digging. Uh, I'm going to pass, but here's the thing. Uh, I would really like to invest in your company. I just need you to come back and tell me how you got to have big, fat, chunky revenue come in. And I'm not sure you know exactly how to do that yet. I think when you figure this out, it's going to be extremely powerful. You're onto a very interesting thing here, but you're going to have to make the jump to how do I get extract what Charles said, which is how do I extract the value out of people? And and I, I'm kind of pained in this pitch because I'm like, but you know, where's the, I know Jillian wants me to say it, where's the beef is that it's sitting there. I want to track you. I think you're a wonderful young man. I I love what you're doing, but I want you to show me where the real revenue is. Yeah. Thank you. The thing I'm struggling with here is like, it, it, I, and I get what people are saying. Like you're almost you're straddling this line of like, should it be free and pro tenant? Should mm-hmm. it be paid? And I mean, it could be. There's a lot. I think you just need to figure mm-hmm. that piece out. I'm with Michael in the sense that like once you answer that question, um, which is I think the fundamental question for this whole business, I think it's really interesting, and you have like a spark to you that is really mm-hmm. awesome. So I would love mm-hmm. to keep in touch and and. So it's a pass for me for now, but I, I really like what you're doing and you. Thank you. So you, you sort of got me over my initial concern about um, when I asked you about the sales process, mm-hmm. because I just don't see that as scalable. And also the fact that if you're a SaaS business, mm-hmm. which you say you are, you know, you're at $1,000 MRR, which is great start, but mm-hmm. too early for us. So. Sort of for all those reasons, it's too early and, and, and I'm going to pass. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I think that you're going to address a lot of these questions. Mm-hmm. I think Brocadia, with their help and their contacts, um, I, I think you're good. I think you're, I think yeah. you know what you're doing. Yeah. And so yeah. I do feel, even though you keep saying this sounds like a volunteer, you keep saying, I think that this has both the values that I look for, right. along with elevating communities, creating more transparency. So I'm going to put 25000 in, okay, awesome. okay, of my own. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like to just spend a little time figuring out and maybe helping you to make some of those yeah. decisions. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you. 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 Thank The investors see so much potential, but Ofo's business plan is pushing them away. All except for Jillian, who's not sold on his plan either, but she thinks that with a little guidance from her, he can figure out if he wants to be a SaaS business or a review site. I think he needs to decide if he's fish or fowl. Mm-hmm. I think right. mm-hmm. that's the key I thing. Yeah. He, I he can also make a business, I believe, 
out of a SaaS company, but too. not charging a dollar a unit a month. No. So that's a way to go. Or the marketplace where you're just scaling it for free to both sides and selling leads to everyone and, you know, and doing it that way. But you can't, if he's a 1,000 MR and he's generating 200,000 in sponsorship, he's not a SaaS I, company right now. Yeah, I agree. But he he's not a SaaS company, but he's building this out with Bercadia. And that's not a small, that is not a small feat gaining their partnership. I need to understand that more and mm. what they're going to do. So the, because a lot of these companies, I have two right now, they have an anchor. They're building it out, and that anchor is going to buy them. I mean, that's basically how it how it's looking right now. And so I think that yeah, I'm uncomfortable with that. Well, I want to find out more, and I'm willing to invest a bit. When we come back, Jillian meets with Ofo, and then coronavirus. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Ovo walked away from the pitch with a $25,000 commitment from Jillian. He also walked away with a clear message from all the investors. Dude, you got to pick a side. Are you the Yelp for renters? Or are you building software for landlords? Because you can't do both. And Ofo didn't really get to communicate this in his pitch. But in talking to him a couple months afterwards, it was clear he couldn't disagree more. When we sat down with Bercadia in August to really put this all together, our partnership, you know, they asked us, they said, it sounds like two businesses in one. And they said, we like that very much. The beauty and what's going to be the gold of your business is that you do marry the two. This isn't just a landlord-driven company where you don't care about the residents, you're about the dollar signs from the landlord. This isn't just a tenant-driven company where it's all about just, you know, shitting on your landlord, lack of better terminology on it, and then doing away and not caring about how landlords, property managers, developers feel. The reality is somewhere in the middle is always the truth. I've looked at our information and data. I know the beat of, of a millennial in general, especially in urban environments being cities, and I can speak to those experiences. So this is where I really genuinely feel like the founders of a company come into play because my personality has always been bridging that gap. And there's so much money right in the middle. Jillian said she wanted to invest 25K in the room, even though she seemed to agree with the other investors and felt like you did need to make some big changes to the business, that you did need to pick a side. I'm curious, uh, what's happened with Jillian after the pitch? Yeah, so Jillian's been great. So uh, right immediately after the show, she was pretty responsive. I think within the first 48 hours, um, we had a conversation. You know, when you're talking with her, you, you, you know not to cross her, but also you feel like she could give you a hug at the same time. And I love that. Um, <laughs> 
So that's how I feel like the call's energy was, you know, like throughout it, it was I'm going to I'm going to hold you to task for being a founder. You you need to be th- you need to be a CEO. Right. So I'm going to ask you CEO style questions. But I also care about the founder part of you as well. And that's what I constantly felt throughout our 45 minute or so call was that all those parts, I think, are, you know, are great because that means I can show up as my full self in speaking with Jillian. And I felt like that on our phone call. Yeah, that sounds sounds like the Jillian I know for sure. <laughs> um, what did she want to see changed? What was she pushing for in that call? We we definitely revisited the the business model approach, right? It was let me meet with Bercadia, let me learn a little bit about how they're looking at things too. Um, but I I think there's a way we can really blow this up in a very very strong way. And and then she and then we closed the call by her talking about next steps, right? And um, post that meeting with Bercadia. We were in the green, right? Like she, had, she was reaffirming that she was committing the twenty five k, and they're they're cool with that. Like your customers cool with talking to a prospective investor who hasn't made up their mind yet, and like filling them in on all the details of your business. I, I'll be I'll be real. Bercadia is the reason why we closed the last three investors, and every time they leave that Bercadia meeting, being like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, th- this is the future." Like we we just met with Fannie Mae on Monday. Like Fannie Mae, Bercadia facilitated that connection. And Fannie Mae has things, and I won't get into all the details of it, but I mean, it's just, it's major, man. It's major. All right. Um, It sounds like a lot hinges on the relationship with Bercadia. Like maybe too much of the business's success just depends (laughs) on this one relationship. (laughs) How do you feel about that? I think everything's kicked into overdrive since the deal. But I don't, I don't, it doesn't hinge yeah. on it because we still, we, we like, we, you know, in the first 500K, it, it didn't necessarily rely on that Bricadia deal, right? So I, I look at it as more fuel to the fire, you know, you know, really sparking that ignition. Um, and I think that's great. It's no steps backward, just forward progress. So I'm excited for the next Bricadia and the next one. And so are they. That means that they've, they've, they've bet on the right jockey and horse. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, I I hope you're right. Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Then, a few weeks later, Ofo forwarded me an email he received from Jillian in the wake of the coronavirus hitting the U.S. And she said in that email, and I quote, I'm going to pause on all investments at this time. With the crashing of the market, my companies are very worried about a contraction of business and the need for additional runway. I'm going to redirect my funding right now to help them." End quote. And then when I called Jillian, she explained that she's just way more risk averse right now. She's paused on investing in companies that seem promising, but aren't on a strong trajectory yet. I have not stopped on all companies. I've just stopped on companies that I do not see the clarity and a clear opportunity um, and the clarity of the product. Um, And so... So the bar just got higher. For sure. So you told Ofo you can't invest right now or you you won't be investing at all? No, no, no. I actually said, listen, I still would like to talk to Bricadia. I've set Ofo up with... Um, a couple of um, VCs. Uh, I really like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I 
think that the business is yet to understand what it wants to be. I think that OFO is trying to serve both sides here. And I don't feel that we understand the the big product yet. Yeah. Because I'm starting with all these businesses, you really invest into um, the finish line, right? And so what I'm trying to see when I invest in a business is what it has the capacity to be in three years, what it looks like, and then I work backwards from that. And it's not necessarily the exit, but I'm really, I'm trying to reverse engineer a company. And with OFA, I couldn't see how I could reverse engineer it because I didn't really know what the finish right. line is looking like. So those are all uh, a lot of the concerns that were brought up in the pitch room. And that right. was the, the bulk of the discussion between you and the other investors was around where's the real business here? Where's the real venture scale business here, OFO? But, but ultimately you invested kind of despite those things um, because I got the sense that you really wanted to, to help him. I do. So what, what changed? I think the coronavirus. Mm. Listen to my full interview with Jillian in the episode titled Jillian Manis on the Coronavirus and Startups. It's available only for Pitch Plus subscribers. You can learn more and sign up to support the show at pitch.show slash plus. All right, we will be back with a new episode on Wednesday, March 25th. See you then. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, were produced by Kareem Maddox and Heather Rogers and edited by Sarah Saracen. Theme music by The Musemaker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Peter Leonard, So Wiley, and The Musemaker. We're mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio coordinated the recording of this pitch. And thanks to Christy Pitts and the crew at Backstage Capital for introducing us to OFO. As a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks on Wednesday. And please follow the pitch on Spotify so you don't miss a thing. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.